Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Delighted to be back with you again this week. And this week, we're delighted to have with us our uh, uh, one of the new Congress people elect uh, as, as uh, uh, Congresswoman Deborah, uh, like Deborah Ross reminded me, she is not a Congresswoman yet, but she will be soon. And uh, so we welcome you to our program. You will be serving in uh, your new role as the uh, representative for the second district of the state of North Carolina. So congratulations on your win. Well, thank you so much. And it's always a delight to be with you. Well, thank you very much. Well, you know, you're, I'm sure you're using this time to get ready for your uh, new assignments. And uh, have you uh, uh, been alerted as to what... Uh, committees and things of that nature you'll be assigned to? We have put our requests in and uh, we've heard that we'll hear about um, one of them around the time we get sworn in, hopefully two. Um, But we did put our requests in and my region um, is supporting my requests because um, those requests would be good for the region. So there's all sorts of factors that go into get, getting your committee assignment, but one of them is regional representation. And North Carolina is in um, the Southern region. And given that um, we don't have that many Democrats in the Southern region, but that the Democrats control the House, um, we're very keen to get more of um, folks from the Southern region on key committees. So what uh, re- what request have you uh, asked for? I've asked for transportation and infrastructure, which shouldn't be a surprise given my background working on um, transit here in uh, the Triangle and working for, with renewable energy companies and water and sewer authorities and the growing nature of this area uh, really speaks to transportation and infrastructure, but I also understand what our rural um, counties need and I can help to advocate for them in North Carolina. And then as you know, Don, I'm a lawyer and um, I think I could serve well on the Judiciary Committee. Uh, and that committee will deals with all sorts of different things that um, obviously affect not just North Carolina, but the country. And um, I think bringing my wide experience, including my civil rights experience to the Judiciary Committee would help both the committee and our region. Well, these are certainly strange times that we're living in. And uh, it was actually a pretty strange time to uh, be a candidate. Uh, uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, it uh, these COVID-19 pandemic conditions are on the top of your mind. What what do you think you'll be facing when you get to Washington and assume your position with regards to uh, how we continue to attack the problem of COVID-19, the vaccines, and so forth? Well, it's clear that Congress is not going to pass a substantial um, additional COVID relief package before they go home for Christmas. Um, I do really hope that we get um, help for our small businesses, that we get um, 
an extension of the unemployment benefits that we get help for vaccine distribution and also for our um, hospitals that are struggling. We, we are still in a testing and tracing mode, um, but we're gonna need to do so much more come January. And there are people who are hurting. We are gonna need to find ways to get back to school and to work safely. Um, there's a surge, as we all know, going on um, that has come post-Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm fearful that with the cold weather and um, the holidays coming up, that that surge won't abate. And so we're still going to be in COVID mode in January. And um, we not only have to deal with the virus, the economic and health consequences, but we have to look long-term at how we build back and how we do that in a way that reaches all of our people. Um, we've seen that the coronavirus has had a disproportionate effect on um, communities of color. We've seen that it's had a disproportionate effect on women um, and their economic futures. And we need to make sure that what we do going forward lifts everyone up. Well, this has certainly been a time of learning new tricks. And, uh, of course, you represent a district that uh, basically is doing well. And, of course, you've already alluded to the fact that North Carolina does have uh, a significant rural population, uh, not so much so in your district. But uh, this creates uh, different problems for the state of North Carolina. And, uh, and it's uh, uh, looking to the Congress for aid and assistance uh, it is very important for us to remember those those rural areas and those counties that are not growing as fast and as rapidly as the, the district that you serve. No question about it. And, um, you know, you know that four years ago I traveled the whole state of North Carolina um, when I ran for U.S. Senate. And so I've been to just about every county in this state and wanted uh, want people to know that Wake County is my priority. Those are the voters who elected me, but I'm acutely aware of the needs that are all over this state. And I'm also aware of them because I served in the General Assembly, you know, with people from all over the state. And we had to balance the needs of our urban areas and the needs of our rural areas. But in all of our areas, rural and urban, we have pockets of poverty. And we've had them. Um, and no matter how prosperous a county you are, Wake and Mecklenburg, we still have income disparities, inequality, and lack of social mobility. And as we all know, that largely affects communities of color. And we had work to do before this pandemic, but we have an even heavier lift with the pandemic because of all of the strife that it has caused. Are you getting any briefings on uh, the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine yet? And what type, I guess a fair question would be, what type of briefings are you getting as you're preparing to, uh, to serve? Well, I do get some briefings um, from the House, but I'm also getting briefings from the state and local governments. Um, so I'm in very close touch with uh, folks in state government. I've been in very close touch with our county commissioners and our um, local elected officials because I wanna know what's going on on the ground and what I can do to help them. 
what I can do to bridge the local, state, and federal divides. And frequently, as you know, because you've been around for a while, the federal government will say to do something, but they won't say how to do something. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. But when it comes to vaccine distribution, um, having guidelines at the federal level is terrific. But then we have to get it out to our people at the state and local level. And I think the more lines of communication and the more I can hear from every level of government, the better, because then I can be a helper. I'm not going to Washington to tell people what to do. I'm going to Washington to help people get the assistance that they need and help coordinate and be a good partner. What do you think the uh, first 100 days of the Biden administration will look like? And what are the things that uh, you're hearing from the um, from the House leadership that they will be targeting as you get back to work in, in your first, uh, first year of service? Well, I think that the first 100 days are always... Um, you know, doing cleaning up. Um, and from this administration, there's some cleanup to do. Getting your people in place. Um, now, of course, uh, President-elect Biden has also talked about how the first 100 days will be during those cold months um, in January and February and going into, and, into March. And so we've got to make sure that we take care of ourselves, take care of our health. And so the Biden administration will be putting its cabinet folks in place. Um, of course, the House does not confirm them. The Senate does. We still don't know the configuration of the Senate. Won't know that until um, after January 5th. Uh, and then making sure that good people are in place to be able to deliver the services that we need all over this country and deliver them in a way that really helps people and helps us get beyond this pandemic. I've noticed, as I suspect everyone has, the, the large number of women and minorities that are being put up for nomination for leadership in the Biden administration. Uh, what's your feeling on that? I think that um, Joe Biden wants an administration that reflects our country, but also reflects the talents everywhere in our country. And um, there's no monopoly on talent. Everybody he has been putting up has vast experience, can hit the ground running day one, knows, they know this country, they know how to work in Washington, DC. And so I think, at, you know, so far so good at the beginning, there have been some disagreements about a few cabinet members, but by and large, the cabinet members are people who can hit the ground day one and deliver needed relief and services to our people. And that's the most important thing, to begin the healing process, to begin the process of coming back from the coronavirus, making sure people are healthy, and making sure that our economy moves forward. Our guest is uh, Congress woman-elect, Deborah Ross. Uh, she's reminded me of that before the program started because I said that. How do you want to be, uh, you want me to refer to you as Congresswoman or Representative? And she said, well, whatever you do, just be sure you say elect because I'm not in yet. Anyway, she will be representing the 2nd District of North Carolina. We'll be back with another segment of Carolina Newsmakers right after this. And in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about getting to know 
the new congresswoman as a person and about her family life and, and how she has gotten to where she is. We'll do that when we return right after these messages. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is newly elected Congresswoman Deborah Ross, and uh, she is Congresswoman-elect, who will represent the 2nd District of North Carolina. For those of you around the state of North Carolina, that's basically the district around Wake County. And uh, it is uh, uh, a district that... uh, uh, did not have an incumbent running, and so uh, uh, she, of course, is uh, is new to the job. And uh, we we wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about you. T- tell us a little bit about your background. How, uh, where were you born, and 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 what's been the key parts of your early career? Well, I was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, when my dad was in medical school. As a matter of fact, my dad helped deliver me. That was the first and the last baby he helped deliver when he was in medical school. He was not um, uh, an obstetrician. Um, And uh, so I was born there. And then um, my dad went into the service during the Vietnam era and was stationed in um, Nebraska because he was in the Air Force. Um, and he was um, the, the psychiatrist at SAC headquarters. Um, and that's where it, it, I went. I've got a brother who's a psychiatrist, and it's always good to have one in the family. Just one. Just yeah. one. Uh, he's retired now. Um, but that's where I went to kindergarten, was in Nebraska when he was um, stationed there. And then when he finished his service, um, we moved back east. And I mostly grew up in Connecticut um, because he had he got a job at a, at a hospital there and had a private practice. And I have two brothers, two younger brothers. We were three kids born in a three-year period of time. So my mother really had her hands full. And I grew up in a small town, um, not 
not very different from Garner, North Carolina. Um, it was outside of the city called Bloomfield, and it was an all-American city, just like Garner was. Um, one high school, one junior high school, one middle school. Um, and it was um, very racially and socioeconomically um, mixed and integrated. And I think that was a formative thing in my background because I went to the same high school with everybody in my town and everybody knew everybody. And we really were a close knit community, you know, with the marching band and parades and all of those kinds of things. And it was a wonderful place to grow up. Um, my brothers and I talk about it all the time. Um, as a matter of fact, one of my brothers doesn't live far from there right now, raising his three kids. And so that's where I went to high school. I got involved in student government. Um, my mom was very active in local politics, um, getting women elected. She was active in the League of Women Voters and got me involved going door to door, um, advocating for, um, for people to get elected and raising money for a scholarship foundation for kids who couldn't afford um, the tuition at, at college, really very community-minded parents. Um, and I think that that gave me my values, um, that, you know, you're part of a community, you make a contribution, you care about your neighbors. Um, then I, I went to Brown University um, in Rhode Island for undergraduate, and then went to Washington, D.C. and worked on Capitol Hill a little bit right after undergrad. And then about 33 years ago, came to North Carolina for law school and um, never looked back. Um, North Carolina has been home um, for most of my life and uh, went to UNC Law School, worked for North Carolina firms, large and small, and, um, and served in the legislature for ten, more than 10 years. I was elected six times to the North Carolina House from here in Wake County, represented downtown Raleigh, part of Southeast Raleigh and part of Garner. Uh, before that, I was with the Civil Liberties Union and um, worked on civil rights all over the state of North Carolina. So I've always had a very um, public-oriented uh, career and way of thinking about um, the need for service and caring about my neighbors and my uh, community and my state. You've uh, mentioned the, the great influence that your parents had on your life. What about a high school teacher? Was there a single high school teacher that you recall that had a great impact on how you've uh, turned to public service? Well, my junior high school um, civics teacher, Mrs. Pass, um, who originally is from North Carolina, was a huge influence on me. She, she really was the first person to teach me about government and about the Constitution and about um, the values that um, this country was founded on. And um, I, I just loved her dearly. We still keep in touch. Um, I still wear, she gave me a, um, a charm when I graduated from high school and I wear that charm um, all the time. And uh, I've spoken with her um, right after the election. We had a great conversation. Um, so I feel very, very close to her. Well, I'm sure she's certainly proud of, of your accomplishments, and uh, I, I'm sure that's one of the great rewards of being a teacher when you see that uh, what you've done has had an influence on someone's life that uh, went on to 
especially get into public service. So what do you like to do for fun? Oh, I love to um, walk my dog, Wiley, with my husband. As a matter of fact, yesterday it was so beautiful out, we went on two walks um, and watch him run and play. And we love the arts. Um, Unfortunately, with the coronavirus, we can't go to as many movies and plays and things like that. We like the local theater. Um, We also... Uh, enjoy getting together with friends and just having a meal and being able to share what's going on. Now we're doing a lot of those things by Zoom and we love to travel, Um, love to travel all over North Carolina and we've traveled internationally as well. When you were running for the United States Senate, of course, that's a statewide race and you mentioned that you visited every part of the the state. What uh, have you discovered about the areas outside of Wake County that make North Carolina so special? Well, North Carolina is special from coast to coast. um, And we made friends everywhere we went. Um, We particularly liked going to the mountains and going west of Asheville. Um, Not that many people when they campaign go to some of the smaller counties out west, but we made it our business to be out there. We also learned um, about the lack of broadband out there because sometimes our phones wouldn't work for a while or um, we we wouldn't be able to get email, but it's so, so beautiful to go out West and um, see the mountains and really feel like you're in a completely different state when, when you've gotten um, what they say West of the balsams. I also love the North Carolina coast. Um, and we went up and down the North Carolina coast. A, a lot of people haven't been to Hyde County and to Terrell County. And we, um, we were out on the Outer Banks and made sure that we let people know that we care about them and let, let them know that we care about our coast. We care about our tourism and our, um, and our fishing economy. Um, and then it was fun to go to Charlotte. You know, people I know sometimes Wake County and Mecklenburg County can be in competition sometimes for uh, new businesses or for, you know, being the biggest county or whatever that is. But um, I made a lot of good friends in Charlotte. Charlotte's an unbelievable city. Um, So it was it was just fun to go everywhere and to meet people and to hear what was going on with them. That's the most important thing. That's the thing I like the most about being involved in politics is hearing people's stories, hearing their challenges, hearing their successes, and and being able to be their champion. Who are you? Who, uh, if you were to list uh, four or five heroes that you admire, uh, who? What would that list look like? Well, um, there aren't as many today as maybe people um, from the past. I, I mean, obviously, um, FDR is a you know a hero for all of us, and what he did to help people during a difficult time, the courage he showed. Um, I really admire that, and his sense his absolute sense of service and caring about people who are struggling. Um, I think on the international stage, um, Angela Merkel is um, definitely showing 
leadership in Europe at a time that's very difficult for all of the world and very difficult in Europe's relationship with the United States. And um, I think she's doing um, a really incredible job in a very, very difficult circumstance. Um, I also have admired Harvey Gantt. He's one of the people who um, inspired me to run for public office. I worked on his uh, first U.S. Senate campaign, um, and that was one of the first campaigns I worked on when I was in North Carolina right after I graduated from um, law school. And he has um, been a trailblazer, but he still continues to be very, very active in politics. And then, you know, there have been some judges who have, um, who have inspired me. I don't know if you read the, um, the biography of Susie Sharp, um, without precedent. Um, I never really got to know her, but, um, reading that biography gave me a real flavor for what it was like to be the first um, female justice on the Supreme Court and then become chief justice. So those are just a few examples. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting list. And it's a very diverse list as well. And uh, that's, that's interesting. But, uh, you know, certainly we all have uh, certain people that we look back on and say they had a influence. And uh, uh, that's, uh, as I said, uh, something that I always like to ask people, who are your heroes? Well, our guest is... Uh, Congresswoman-elect Deborah Ross, we will be back with another segment of Carolina Newsmakers in just a moment. And in this next segment, we're going to talk more about the issues and the, the uh, things that uh, you will be facing as you uh, uh, enter your first term of service. And we'll do that when we return here in the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Excuse me, I know you have a nine o'clock, so I'll keep this short. I'm the business suit in the back of your closet. You wore me nearly every day before your office went, quote, casual. I used to be the CEO of your closet. Now I'm just that one intern no one ever talks to. I always thought you'd circle back with me, get granular, keep me in the pipeline. But nada, nothing. Don't you remember the McKittrick presentation? You spilled coffee on me, and I still looked amazing during the breakout talkback Q&A. So, I think it's time for me to move on. I've got a great resume, and I absolutely crush it in interviews, okay? Let's make this a clean break. Shift the paradigm. The only thing I ask is that you think outside the box here and do this. Take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Congresswoman-elect Deborah Ross, who will represent the 2nd District of North Carolina when she begins her term of service in Washington. And actually, when, when is that? January the what? January the 3rd is when we're sworn in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's, what, three weeks away? Not that far. Not that far. 
Well, we, we said we were going to talk a little bit more about issues in this segment. Uh, and uh, you've talked about the fact that you are looking forward to perhaps service on the Transportation Committee in, in North Carolina, and especially the 2nd District of North Carolina. Uh, certainly, we have our transportation problems. What uh, what are you hoping to accomplish? Well, that, that committee deals with transportation and infrastructure. So there are all sorts of things in addition to, you know, obviously surface transportation, airports, um, and transit, which um, we know Wake County passed the transit referendum in 2016 and is making its plans for bus rapid transit and increased bus service and maybe even commuter rail. But other kinds of infrastructure issues will come up. Uh, water resources, which are a huge issue in North Carolina. Um, again, particularly in the rural areas, but in some of the urban areas, we have aging water infrastructure that needs to be replaced. Uh, I'm all, you know, as I said before, because we're facing the coronavirus, that is job one. Uh, so we need to get that under control and get people's health care under control. Uh, we have seen that not enough people have good health care coverage. Um, North Carolina has not expanded Medicaid. I want to make sure that we build on the Affordable Care Act, that we're able to be able to expand Medicaid and that that money will be there for us. Um, we need to make sure that everybody has access to affordable, accessible health care, reduce the cost of prescription drugs. I also am very interested in retirement security. And one of the things that has come out of this pandemic is um, a real emphasis on how people are losing some of their nest egg. And women in particular who aren't able to work or are working um, fewer hours are losing some of their retirement security. And we've got to make sure that we protect and preserve um, social security and Medicare. And then of course, we have got to get people back to work and back to work in good paying jobs. Infrastructure helps with that. Those jobs can't be outsourced. Um, and we desperately need um, to invest more resources in making sure that we are safe, we can get around, we have access to broadband, all of those things. And then of course, the environment. Um, and we can upgrade our electric grid, um, hopefully have cleaner power and um, move ourselves really into the 21st century of making sure that our environment is clean. Well, you and uh uh, Congressman David Price represent uh, the two districts that have the two primary beneficiaries of federal research dollars. And I'm not sure that people in North Carolina have ever really appreciated as much as they should uh, the impact of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, North Carolina State and Duke University with regards to the huge amount of federal dollars that come into the state for research. That will fall back on you and Congressman Price to be sure that that continues. Well, he'll have a good partner in that. And my district has a number of colleges and universities. I have two HBCUs, Shaw and St. Aug, and I am very focused on making sure that they succeed. I also have Campbell Law School in my district and Meredith College and William Peace University and, um, and Wake Tech. And I tell people everywhere, 
please, please um, remember that Wake Tech provides such an impetus for our economy. We have more campuses popping up for Wake Tech. It educates um, so many of our people and it provides those crucial job skills, not just for the jobs of today, but the jobs of tomorrow. When we were talking about uh, uh, some of your personal life, we didn't. I didn't ask, are you planning to move to Washington and visit back in North Carolina? Or are you planning to stay in North Carolina and visit Washington? I'm planning to be in Washington when I've got to be there for Washington business and be in North Carolina the rest of the time. So, you know, clearly I'm going to have to have a place to stay in Washington that's comfortable. And I, I do want my dog to be able to and my husband to come along. Um, but I do not plan on um, being in Washington unnecessarily. How's that? Uh, where uh, have you set up an office in North Carolina yet as far as how the public will get in touch with you when the when you are in the district? We will have an announcement about that in a week or so. Um, we're negotiating our lease. Um, I do want to be very near the county office buildings and and be in a central location that um, has access to transit. Um, as well as people who can drive. I think it's important since so many people who um, reach out about uh, veterans benefits, social security, things like that, um, that if, if you want to get to us by transit, that you can. And so um, you'll hear soon. You'll hear soon. But that's a priority. I'm jumping back to something that you alluded to earlier, and that is the, the role that the community college system plays in uh, the recovery process. Uh, and of course, dollars, uh, uh, we're just now finding out that the state may be in actually a little bit better shape uh, uh, with revenue than we had first thought. That's a good sign. But what, uh, what assistance do you think will come from the federal government with regards to uh, keeping the colleges and universities and the systems of higher education moving and growing? Well, um, I hope that there's some short-term coronavirus relief for sure, because our uh, colleges and universities have suffered mightily um, with remote learning and not being able to um, control necessarily even what the enrollment's going to be, because so many uh, students have adjusted, so either taken a gap year or taken a semester off, and there's been so much uncertainty for our colleges and universities. But going forward, we know that um, higher education, whether it's at the community college level or the four-year level, is really a key to economic success. We have seen that here in North Carolina. You talked about the research triangle and how it was formed um, using the attractiveness of colleges and universities to um, get businesses, not just from around the country, but around the world to come here and, and really transform the North Carolina economy. So we have what we invest in our institutions of higher education from community college on up and what we invest in our students, no matter their age, will certainly be borne out in our economy. And I've always been a champion of education. Um, and I'm also a champion of K through 12 public education. So um, this region will certainly have an extra person rallying um, for higher education and public education. 
Almost everything we've talked about has been domestic. Uh, let's talk a little bit about foreign affairs because uh, your your basic background in service has been the six terms of service in North Carolina. Um, how how will you bring yourself up to date on foreign affairs, and how deeply involved do you plan to be in uh, in uh, your work as a congresswoman? Well, um, I keep myself abreast of the news. I also have a uh, roundtable that has been advising me on military and foreign affairs throughout this campaign. Very, very distinguished um, constituents um, who have served abroad, have military backgrounds, um, and can give me a snapshot of what is going on. I also am part of the U.S. Global Leadership Coalition, and so um, I get regular briefings from them on issues that deal with foreign aid and foreign affairs. I've even been to D.C. um, to advocate for the foreign aid budget because it is so important um, to our standing in the world. It's important to peace. It's important to uh, humanity. And... um, Some of that money comes back to North Carolina. RTI, for example, does quite a lot on foreign aid. And so um, I know that that's not been my large area of expertise, but um, I'm a good student. I'm very curious, and I'm going to make sure that I'm abreast of foreign affairs. Uh, Earlier, we also mentioned, and I'm skipping back now to the domestic issue, the importance of broadband. Now, Uh, Your district is uh, pretty well served by broadband, but if we're not in touch with all of North Carolina, it hurts us all. Oh, there's no question about it. And we've learned, as a matter of fact, we did a town hall during the uh, campaign on broadband um, because it's so crucial. You know, we knew it was crucial for business, um, but so many of our small towns do not have good access to broadband, and that makes it difficult for them to attract business. But since the pandemic, we've seen that without broadband, it's almost impossible for many of our children to get a good education. And with the advent of telehealth, which has exploded since um, the coronavirus, getting access to health care is becoming more and more dependent on having access to broadband. And so that's something that I'm very interested in. There are, again, in every county, pockets of poverty. There are people who cannot afford broadband. There are people who can't afford the devices that they need for school or for work. And um, really, this has become an essential service in this 21st century and something that uh, all of us should be concerned with, not just um, people in the rural areas. Well, we're all in it together and the broadband uh, helps uh, both the uh, growing areas and and the areas that are uh, underserved as well. Well, our guest is uh, Congresswoman-elect Deborah Ross, who will represent North Carolina's 2nd District. We'll be back with one final segment of Carolina Newsmakers, and we'll do that right after these messages. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty and 
sadly in 09. It was sparks from me. Your handy chains. Dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is the Congresswoman-elect for the 2nd District of North Carolina, which is basically Wake County, uh, and that would be Congresswoman-elect Deborah Ross. And we have talked about all sorts of things. We even had one final, one segment where we talked about uh, uh, her uh, life in general and talked about her special interest and how she got to, uh, to be in North Carolina and so forth. So it's been a delight to uh, uh, be uh, able to reacquaint the folks who are not as familiar with uh, Congressman Ross as, uh, as you might uh, like to be and that uh, I think serve that purpose. Now, uh, January 3rd or January 4th, uh, that period of time, you will be setting up service in Washington. Uh, so what's uh, what's the first thing you're going to do? What's what's day one in, in Washington? Well, on January 3rd at 8 a.m., I can pick up the keys to my office. Um, so you can tell your and pick up my voting card, because um, when you vote in Congress, it's different than the way you vote in the North Carolina legislature. In the North Carolina legislature, you push a button. Um, but in Congress, you have a voting card and you put your card in and then you push the button. We learned that during orientation. So, that, so that's a form of voter ID. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I'll pick up, I'll pick those things up uh, early in the morning, be able to get into my office. Um, you know, we had to have a lottery for our offices that usually that's done in person, but it was had to be done um, online. Um, and that was done uh about 10 days ago. So I'll be in the Longworth building, which is the middle building. Um, and I'm glad about that. My office will be easy to find. It's not up in one of those dark corners. Um, and then we get sworn in and then we vote obviously on the rules of the house and electing um, our leadership. And um, then we're off and running um, and can start considering, introducing and considering legislation. Now, uh, of course, a very important part of your service will be your staff. Uh, tell us a little bit about the staff that you've selected. Well, we're in the process of doing that right now. So um, I do, I have hired somebody in um, D.C. who is a seasoned um, chief of staff. He started up a freshman office in the past, and um, but we are still interviewing for most of the other positions there. I wanted to get somebody who I felt would be a good fit for, for this area, but 
also who could teach me the ropes because I've not been a DC insider. And um, there's a good advice um, uh, to say that you need somebody who um, knows how things are done there when you're a freshman. But here in North Carolina, um, my campaign manager, Caroline Spencer, um, who is uh, originally from Wilson and um, knows the district well and knows a lot of the different um, interest groups and has have very grassroots, very um, constituent oriented person will be um, here in the district office. And we're in the process of interviewing a lot of wonderful people from Wake County um, in that office. And we're going to be very customer friendly. Um, constituent services are really the most important thing that we can do for people, um, both Congressman Price and Congressman Holding, because I'm getting a little bit of each of their districts. Um, they have both been very, very kind um, and um, made their staffs available for transition. And so, of course, we can't take over any of that until January, but we're already thinking about how we can serve the people of Wake County with the highest level of care and consideration and, and be timely about that. And so Caroline is um, starting to interview people for those positions. So, uh, so, so part of your staff will be located in Raleigh and part in Washington. What, what size is your total staff? Well, the maximum number of staff you can have is 18. Um, and, you know, it takes a little while to hire those folks. You got to get the chiefs in, uh, in there first. Um, but we are going to be very focused on making sure we take care of our constituents. So um, there will be a nice size um, staff here in Wake County to be able to take care of people's needs. And we'll have a couple people who, you know, do outreach in the community and hopefully those will be familiar faces. So uh, from a legislative point of view, what uh, do you think uh, will be the priorities of the uh, the first 100 days, we talked briefly about that, but uh, let's review that again. Well, um, certainly um, additional coronavirus relief, that would be um, relief to our small businesses, making sure that vaccines are dis distributed, make, making sure that we still do that testing and getting our schools and businesses open safely. But there are other bills that I know will be introduced right away. Um, H.R. 1, the For the People Act, which deals with election laws and campaign reform and making sure that we have a much more accessible and, um, and responsive government. Um, I'm interested in making sure our restaurants, um, many of whom are having a difficult time now, will have an even harder time over the, um, over the winter, get the relief that they need. I'm also, as we talked about, very interested in making sure that we have infrastructure. And we're going to be dealing with um, expanding health care coverage and making sure that people can retire securely. And a lot of those things haven't been front of mind as we've been talking about the coronavirus and talking about these vaccines, but those two things, making sure that people have the health care they need and that they can retire securely are absolutely 
priorities, not just for this district, but for this country. And um, we have seen the effects of the coronavirus and we're going to need to make them priorities very early on. A lot is said about uh, party partisanship and uh, what do you see uh, as a, a dream that we can become a little bit more civil in our uh, relationships between the parties and, uh, and, and perhaps get a little bit more accomplished by uh, uh, a sense of uh, working together more? Well, I had a very good experience working across party lines when I was in the General Assembly. As a matter of fact, uh, former Representative Skip Stam and I had a radio show with you all for a little while. Um, and we we did a lot of work together. We would disagree, of course, on you know some of the hot button issues. But I go into this with you know, I want to work with anyone and everyone who wants to take care of our people. And I'm going into this with an open mind. Um, and I want to serve everyone in this district. This is not, uh, this should not be partisan when it comes to constituent service. Our doors are open to everyone. We will be out in the community acting for everybody, listening to everybody and serving everybody. Well, this is uh, something that has, uh, I guess, been uh, on, on more people's minds than one might think. And I think it's surfaced in the election because uh, we, of course, had uh, a, a number of Democrats and Republicans elected in North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina truly is a purple state. And we need to work together for the good of the people of this state. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I, I find myself with a little bit of an awkward position because I don't have enough time to ask another question. But uh, so uh, I'd like to thank you very much, Congresswoman-elect Deborah Ross, who will represent North Carolina's 2nd District, for being with us. And uh, uh, perhaps we can uh, have the pleasure of having you on maybe around April or May after you've had some experience. And, and uh, then you can report on what's going on in Washington to the people of North Carolina. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he will have another interesting guest for us next week on the same group of stations all across North Carolina. If you'd like to hear a repeat of the broadcast, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Till next week, have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.